Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mistress Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 178 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Justin Chancellor from Tool and Empty Void, I want to remind you about all of the features of MistressCarrie.com. Not only can you find every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, but you can also find all of the episodes of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can keep track of all of the rock shows coming through New England in the concert calendar. You can check out my blog, get yourself a Mistress Carrie backstage pass, and you can shop in the online Mistress Carrie store. Find all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. Coming up this Friday, November 10th, Justin Chancellor's band Empty Void is releasing their sophomore album, Matters Not Part 1, 10 years after the release of their debut album. Justin Chancellor, of course, the bass player in Tool, who is out on the road with the band right now. Tool have got a bunch of shows in New England, including this Friday, November 10th at the Mohegan Sun Arena, Saturday, November 11th at the Mohegan Sun Arena, November 13th at the SNHU Arena in Manchester, New Hampshire, and on Wednesday, November 15th at the TD Garden in Boston. I was so excited when I found out Justin Chancellor accepted my invitation to come on the show, so allow me to introduce you to Justin Chancellor from Tool and Empty Void. Mr. Justin Chancellor, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. You're out on the road with Tool right now. Do you even know what city you're in? Well, I believe today we're in Knoxville, Tennessee, but we literally arrived about two hours ago. From uh, We drove from Milwaukee last night, which was quite a chat. It was about a 10-hour drive, I think. Um, yeah. Are you able to sleep on the bus? Can you get good rest while you're driving? I actually sleep really well on the bus. You know, it's always, uh, it's always a problem if you, you know, you, you get to sleep and then you arrive at the venue and the bus stops. You tend to wake up. But once when you're rolling along the freeway, it's it's somehow it works really well. I mean, you know, babies always go to sleep in the back of the car, right? It's pretty much the same deal. Um, as long as you have a good driver, obviously. Do you, <laughs> you have want... to adjust when you get home because the, the bed's not moving after that? Well, I always say to my wife, we should make a room in the house that's designed like a, a bus bunk, you know, so we can decompress when we get home. Yeah, it's always a little bit of a change. You've been out on the road for a lot of years. And so I always say musicians are some of the best traveled people in the world. 
Where are some of the places, because obviously you can tell by your accent, you're not American. Where are some of the places that you like to go that, that when you get time off, you like to walk around and sightsee? Um, well, I mean, anywhere really, I, it, you know, Europe's amazing because every day you're, when you're traveling the same distance you travel in America, but you're traveling into a different country each day. Um, so that's always like, you know, information overload, um, cultural, you know, saturation. So Europe's amazing for that. I always take a bike with me. I take a mountain bike. So I have it under, you know, in the Bay of the bus. So any day off, that's, that's what I do on my day off. And it's not so much, it's for exercise, you know, you know, it's, it's good exercise, but it's also just to get out and be able to travel around your area and see stuff. Um, So that's the way I do it. Um, But obviously in Europe, there's a lot, there's a lot to take in, but I equally enjoy traveling in the States. So we just, we just got down, got back from Canada. We were up there for maybe a week and a half in the snow and, uh, you know, there's there's different stuff to see up there. I always like to go out on a find a river or a lake. You know, that's always a good way to explore. Just kind of follow the river. But um, yeah, anywhere, everywhere's got something interesting going on. You know, there's a reason there's a town that you're in. You know, so you go and try and figure it out, find those interesting parts of it, and uh, try and absorb some of the some of the stuff for inspiration. You know. Well, you're going to be in Boston on the fifteenth. And we've got a pretty famous river, so there's a chance yeah, yeah. <laughs> people could see Justin Chancellor just pedaling by along the Charles. There's a very, very big chance. Yeah, yeah, I love Boston. And that's, so that's where you are now. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, I'll be at the show, so I can't wait okay. either. <laughs> I'll wave. <laughs> I I love having artists come on the show that balance multiple projects. Because my musical career ended in the marching band in high school with the clarinet. (laughs) And so I'm always fascinated by the idea. To me, it's amazing that you could write music and be successful in one band. But when you're tackling multiple projects, is the inspiration for tool music completely different from the inspiration for Empty Void? Like, how does it work for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's who you're collaborating with that really affects that, you know. Um, with uh, in Empty Void, it's we're trying to be really experimental, basically, and it's a very liberating experience writing that stuff with Peter because there's no preconceived rules or or direction, you know. It's very reactionary. Like he sends me something, I listen to it and put something over it or several, you know, experiment with it for a while, and then I'll send him back a bunch of stuff. And uh, it'll ju- just grow like that, just from our reactions to what each other does. Um, so in, you know, in Tool, it's more of a, a thought-out process where we're, we're, we're all together and we're discussing it and we're trying to create a structure almost. And there's a lot of, you know, we have a, we have a blackboard even, you know, like a whiteboard with with all the ideas and this is the chorus and this is that. And it's a, it's a different, um, I mean, that's more of a band's writing way, you know? Um, So they're, so they're very, they're different processes. Um, And especially since we recorded this empty void album during the pandemic, um, it's even further different since it was all done completely remotely. Um, So that's that's a whole different way of being inspired. You know, you're just sending files to each other and 
the guy isn't there breathing over your shoulder. So you're literally just experiencing it for the first time sitting on your own in your studio. Um, and that's a, you know, it's a cool way of being real, really honest with your reaction. Um, cause nobody's influencing it. You know, nobody's sitting there like staring at you thinking, what, what, what do you like about this? So yeah, they're just, uh, they're different ways of writing, which is makes them refreshing from each other, you know? It seems to be the only good thing that came out of COVID is this treasure trove of creativity from all of our favorite musicians. Yeah, and like just the realization that that's a real possible way of doing it. You know what I mean? Like, because it wasn't, I don't think it was that common. I mean, we've we've done collaborations before with people in that way, but just maybe just the odd person sending in a vocal or something, um, you know, but not creating an entire pile of music you know without even being in the room with someone so i think that's uh it's cool i mean a lot of people want to continue like that you know they're like this is great i'll stay at home <laughs> but uh, but uh you know they're both it's this it's very thrilling being in a room with with other musicians too and actually you go well let's try this and then you actually can physically play it aloud together um that's got its own magic you know and its own inspiration Technology always seems to, as it changes, allow for new music to be made. And I bring it up because we're recording this interview on the day that we got a new Beatles song, which no one could have imagined would have ever been released. Really? <laughs> wow. They, I, don't, I, I don't even know anything about that. Oh, really? They, uh. they had a cassette tape of John Lennon playing the piano and singing a song in the 70s. And the Beatles in the 90s tried to do something with it, but they couldn't separate his voice from the piano on the cassette. Okay. And George Harrison recorded guitar parts back in the 90s, but they were never able to work a complete song. And Peter wow. Jackson has this new mal technology through AI where they were able to pull John Lennon's just his voice off wow. of the cassette and they released a new song, the, the what they're calling the last Beatles song. And it was wow. only possible because of AI technology. That's incredible. Is it any good? It's it, <laughs> So they released a short film yesterday on YouTube explaining okay. how it happened. Yeah. And it made me as a lifelong Beatles fan a little weepy because... 43 years after John Lennon's passing to hear the lyrics of this song and to listen to it this much later, I got a little misty eyed. I got to be honest. It was, and of course yeah. it's good. I mean, it's. That, that's, that's really crazy. I mean, that's crazy. I was actually playing, uh, I was jamming at Les Claypool's uh, party a couple of weeks ago. He turned 60 and uh, Sean Lennon was playing keyboards. So I was actually on stage with, with John's son. He <laughs> was actually, day. he took part in the short film. Talk, oh, he did? Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So you sh it's, it's all I, on YouTube. I gotta watch it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's only like 12 minutes long, but it's very cool. Um, awesome. You bring up Les Claypool, another iconic rock bassist. Uh, I'm going to botch this quote from Getty Lee, but basically he said that nobody ever uh, aspires to play the bass, that they play guitar and then they join a band and then they get voted in as the bass player because they need one. Is that what yeah. happened to you? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. I actually, I, I, it's funny, Les said the same thing to me. Uh, we were, you know, we were touring and we were just chatting and he was asking me questions and he's like, so what are you, you know, what are your bass players? I was like, 
well, I was actually, you know, I was into like hair bands and stuff playing. I wanted to be ripping guitar solos when I was a teenager, you know, uh, or Angus Young or whatever, you know, that was kind of, yeah, I was, I was an aspiring guitar player. Um, and I asked for a guitar. I got it when I was eight years old. I got my first uh, acoustic guitar and, and started, you know, taking some lessons. But I at the, there was a very cool uh, music teacher we had um, who not – there was a school orchestra, but he created a school rock band. So it was like the size of an orchestra, and he was leading it with the piano. Um, but then we had like three guys on electric guitars. There were, you know, there were trumpets and other stuff as well just to get everyone involved. But when I was able or, you know, qualified to be in that band, it was called the Surleys. Um, the other guys were, the guitar players were better and, and older than me. And the music teacher basically said, well, why don't you try the bass? And that's the first time I played the bass. And, but I immediately loved it, you know, and I got to stand next to Mr. Pape, who was playing the piano and leading the whole band. And I was like his right-hand man, you know. Um, so I, I, I liked something about the, you know, the it was a very individual way of being in the band. You know, it's like one of a kind, just the bass, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it really, it really turned me on that first experience. And I just kind of carried on from there. I tried to play guitar again later in my teens, but... I just ended up playing bass every time. <laughs> Years ago, I talked to Tim Comerford from Rage Against the Machine about the relationship required between him and Brad Wilk and the yeah. rhythm section of a band. Can you talk to me about the relationship you have to have on stage with Danny Carey and being holding up the rhythm part of just any band, but probably Tool more specific? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great, it, there's a lot going on with Danny, you know, he's got all kinds of stuff going on and uh, you're not always following the traditional drum and bass sort of uh, rules, you know what I mean? Like some, you know, traditionally you'd kind of hold on to the bass drum quite religiously, but there's so many different things going on with his, the dynamics of his drum kit. He's got electronic sounds, he's got, you know, the all the toms and the double kicks and all this stuff. And he's even got keyboards in there. So I'm quite at liberty to kind of follow any of those areas, you know, so I can get really creative with where I am, where, where I'm, what I'm playing in the song, you know, I can get melodic or I can just hold a groove down. I can concentrate just on the rhythm part of the song by following his foot, or I can sort of marry with the other stuff he's doing. So it's kind of uh, it's it's pretty much like you can do whatever you want in this band, but if you stray away from the kick drum and the the basic rhythm, it's amazing when you come back to it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, we we do that a lot until we kind of go, okay, that sounds great. Now what if we pull away from that and and don't do that and go far away from it, and then when we come back to it, it's going to be really heavy. So I think that works a lot with the drum and bass too. Well, like, you know, we'll avoid the real solid thread of the song for a little while. And then when you land on it, when you come back to it, it's even heavier than it would have been if you just started the song like that. So those are some of the techniques we use. Matters Not um, Part One, the new Empty Void album comes out on the 10th. Mm -hmm. And when you focus on an experimental project like that, 
does that freedom to kind of let your brain wander also kind of make you better in tool as well? Are they somewhat connected? Yeah, I think it's like good to get out of your head space with what you're doing. Um, and it definitely, the one inspires the other, you know, it's like, a, you know, it's very cathartic for one for the other, you know. Um, but yeah, the, we're, I'm on the road with Tool right now. So there's a lot of Tool in my head. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> you, touch, you touched on it a little bit earlier. I have a theory about music, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's the soundtrack to your childhood, the music you get exposed to growing up unwillingly from your parents, your older siblings, your cool uncle. And yeah. then there's a day that you discover something probably in your adolescence and you go, that's me, that's what I like, and then everything changes. So yeah. what was the soundtrack to your childhood? And then what was it where you stepped out into your own musical identity? God, well, my, you know, it would, like you said, it's, it's your parents' record collection. And it wasn't huge, their record collection, but they had stuff like, uh, I love the Buddy Holly record they had. Um, I think it was just that one, the sort of brown sepia cover where he's on the front. I think it might even be his greatest hits, but um, that that was really amazing. I'm sure that inspired me to want to play guitar, that particular record. But then they had, you know, John Denver, uh, Neil Diamond, you know, hot August night. I loved that, that album. Uh, you know, they had ABBA records. I loved ABBA. And, you know, um, God, Simon and Garfunkel was amazing. I remember listening to that and really loving that. Um, yeah, they had a bunch of different stuff. But uh, I think when I was 11, maybe, my brother gave me Highway to Hell or maybe 12, something like that. And that really had a massive impact on me hearing that music, you know, just uh, uh, as far as wanting to play bass or guitar um, and kind of, like you said, that's what I want to do kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that would be a big, big moment in my musical change. Are you the only musician in the family? Does it run in the family? Yeah, I am. I'm the only musician, but my brother, my older brother Jim, um, was a massive influence on. He he's he runs a record label. He runs Fiction in uh, England and Caroline International. So he's always been a music person, but he's never played an instrument. So he used to always, you know, he was the one that collected all the vinyl. Um, he had a really heavy taste for a while. But, you know, he'd play me, he'd go, just come in my room, check this out. And he'd play me Metallica or whatever. Like, you know, he was he was out there all the time buying records and always listening to it. Like, he's a massive lover of music. So um, he always turns really interesting stuff my way. And he still does working for these labels. You know, he's always, I find it interesting what he's discovering. Because um, he's a, you know, he's an explorer. He goes out there and he and he, and he listens. He goes to lots of shows and he finds out what's what's going on. So somebody's got to do that, you know, <laughs> let me know what's good. Well, you you guys in Tool, whenever you go out on tour, always turn people on to newer artists because you're very eclectic in your choices of opening bands. Yeah, well, we take it in turns. We basically go, okay, whose turn is it now? Um, you're going to enjoy our opening band on this. Have you, have you, do you know anything about him? Wait, who who's opening up in Boston? Steel Beans. No, called, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, you, you'll be very surprised. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's extremely interesting. It's almost <laughs> like a, it's like a one man band basically. It's just one guy, but he's like 
he's like ripping on the drums, playing the guitar at the same time and singing all at the same time. And, and you know, it sounds like it's, it could be kind of goofy and it isn't at all. It's like really good. And he's got his own kind of, uh, yeah, his songs are really cool. He's, he's, he sounds almost like, uh, like Alice in Chains or something. He's got, he's got really cool, really cool, uh, material, you know, but then to watch him, a big part of it is just watching him pull it off, you know, like playing all these things at the same time. Well, anybody that's going to see Tool, get there early so you can see Steel Beans. Absolutely. I think it's like 7.30 he goes on, but it's really worth it. It's really fun. And yeah. he's funny as well. He's a comedian. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty funny. There's a difference between learning how to play the guitar and being able to strum along with the young brothers growing up and discovering that you can actually compose your own music when did you start actually writing your own music? In my teens, you know, probably, probably, uh, I don't want to say, I was uh, about 13 when I, I was asked to play bass in, an, in another band um, with some friends of my brothers. So they were all considerably older than me. Um, and uh, they, God, what were we called? I can't remember. Slice of Life or something like that. But we uh, we uh, we wrote our own music. We literally wrote a demo tape of worth of music. We went to we drove up to some place in the outskirts of London and recorded. It's my first recording experience in the basement of some guy's house. You know, just with the rudimentary gear down there, but enough to actually put together. We had the tape reels and everything. So yeah, it was probably like twelve or thirteen. I really started to actually write stuff and it's one thing writing stuff but then actually committing to it and saying this is our song or even like playing it live you know that's that's playing your own stuff live is always a bit of a you know stepping out into the void and kind of how's this going to go you know for you where do the the ideas come from is it a is it a riff is it a melody is it a lyric like where does where does the the first idea come from yeah, I get a lot of uh, rhythms in you know in my head. Um, uh, you know, I've said it before, but it's you know a lot of the times when I'm outside at home walking the dogs, something like that, and in my breath, or when I used to you know at school used to have to they make you run and stuff, and that uh, your breathing rhythm, I'd always hear stuff in that and hear different melodies. So I get a lot of ideas when I'm outside that aren't necessarily music; they're more rhythmical, you know. Um, and then I'll kind of apply melody to that later. So a lot of those weird time rhythms in tools just from walking the dogs. Um, <laughs> and then you like, you just sort of build on that, you know, but yeah, so quite ry rhythms basically first for me. You bring up the dogs. I have to ask this question and I'm going to preface it. Oh, it's a, he's a, <laughs> it's a geezer Butler. It's, it's hit. I blame geezer. Because he dropped an interview with me that he's got 13 cats and five dogs. And when oh. I asked him how he came, how he comes up with names for all of them, he said he names them all after gangster rappers. And I almost fell off my chair. <laughs> That's amazing. And so now every artist that I have come on the show, I have to ask him the geezer question about the names of their pets because it's oh. his fault that I'm asking this ridiculous question. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, no, no gangster rappers in my family, but it's uh, I've got I have a German Shepherd called Billy Blue, um, girl. She's about nine, and I have a, a Anatolian Shepherd mix. He's sort of mixed with Pitbull and a 
Labrador, and he's called Sumo. (laughs) (laughs) Did you name them or did you just get the names? No, we named them both. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were very, you know, they were little puppies. But and then we have a bunch of chickens, but we just call them like blue, white, red, you know, whatever <laughs> color they are. <laughs> little red. <laughs> I'm so envious of the craft of songwriting that I always ask songwriters this question because the answers are always fascinating. Um, it's not a favorite song question by any means, but is there a song that you think is so perfectly crafted that you covet it and wish you wrote it? Any genre of music, any artist, that's inconsequential. I mean, I, as far as, you know, I, don't, I mean, there's so many. I can't really, I can't give you an answer of, of one, but I mean, I think they're just, I, I never ever think, I wish I'd written that song but I find them very inspiring. You know, it's like, it shows you what potential there is when you hear something amazing like that. You're like, wow, how did they even come up with that? You know? And it's in, it inspires me to, to think that, and you know, anything's possible. The sky's the limit and you can, I'm always like trying to imagine, okay, what happens next in the song? I want it to be something that no one's expecting or, you know, it's going to be something that I haven't thought of before. That's kind of where the way my mind works when we're, when we're writing. Um, it could yeah. be somebody walking the dog. You just don't know. It's right. <laughs> when I talk to guitar players and bass players alike, a lot of times the conversation goes to tone and slash told yeah. me that he is in this constant uh, search of, tone where do you yeah. attribute a player's tone comes from god i guess it's what you're what you're physically hearing you know it's the way you're i, I always say this that people when we're mixing together as a band or when we're listening to music together people hear stuff completely differently i mean your ear is physically different than mine and so and your brain the way it receives that information is all those pathways are completely unique to each individual so I think tone is really what you're, what you know, what you you like, but what you can actually physically capture in your ear as well. What's what's appealing to you? You know what I mean. So I I understand that it's a constant search because it's you. There's it's amazing how how tiny little increments of change can change the sound so much, especially with other instruments. Um, I just, uh, I'm starting to work with Mesa Boogie on a new cabinet. Um, and I actually blew up last night. So I'm a bit upset about that because we, we had a really rich addition to my tone and it started to make the band sound even better. In my opinion, you know, the separation between the guitar and the bass and the drums, I'd never heard it before. I mean, just like listening back to basic YouTube recordings and stuff, you know, I just, put them on the laptop and see what it's sounding like. It's not the best way of hearing it, but you get a pretty good idea of the overall sound. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I was, I'm excited. I've found like a new level of, of bass tone that, that really works with the group, you know? So um, it is a constant exploration and it's uh, you never know, you know, what's going to work, what you're going to find. Um, so it's good to, and it's nice to keep changing your sound anyway, you know, if you change your tone a little bit, it tends to affect the other instruments or the other musicians, it inspires something else different out of them as well. As a bass player, 
not only with Tool, but Empty Void as well. You must be so happy this resurgence of vinyl. Yeah. Because it sounds, you talk about the the listener's end Mm -hmm. and how we receive the music. And it's so warm that Mm -hmm. for you, you must be so happy that people are clamoring for vinyl again. I am. I'm very happy. And uh, yeah, we, 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 the reason it took a long time to release this empty void record, we did it during the pandemic, but we were uh, desperate to, to do vinyl. You know, we were really excited to do that. And we were pretty low on the, on the totem pole of, of what's getting done. You know, there was a big backlog of, of people wanting to print their albums. So um, we took a long time to make sure that we, we made that really cool, not just, you know, sound right, but, look really nice as well and be you know get back into that old experience of like opening it up and there's a poster in there and you know just creating the artwork it was really there's a big part of the release you know we wanted to put a lot of effort into that so yeah i'm happy vinyl's back i guess cds are coming back as well someone said well i'm trying to get over the fact that cassettes (laughs) are back because i think we can all agree that while it was a great innovation to make music more portable with the walkman and all of that the yeah, sound yeah. quality of cassette, not so much. Not so much, yeah. Yeah. Are they coming back? Are you sure? Oh, uh, bands are making them. Newer uh, bands are making them as like this retro thing. It's and like I'm a like, novelty item. Right? Yeah, and I'm like, I hope you're going to pack a pencil in with it because the people are going to need it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I actually made, I, I have Mistress Carrie purple cassette rewinder pencils. Wow. Because... If you don't know what I'm talking about, you weren't there the first time, and you'll You'll know. Bring one to the gig and chuck it up on stage. (laughs) And I'm not going to get arrested if I'm throwing (laughs) pencils at Justin. No, I'll warn them. I'll warn them in in advance. (laughs) There's going to be a cassette winder coming up on stage at some point. Exactly. (laughs) Well, the the colored vinyl too. There's so many different things that they can do now that they couldn't do when vinyl first came out. The glass, aren't you guys doing like a glass see-through limited vinyl for empty vinyl? Well, we, one of them's like a like a green, Coke bottle green, but the, the actual, the other one we we're doing is we took all the scraps from other vinyl. It's like a multicolored thing where we just kind of, we're like, what can we do? It's a bit more, you know, environmental in a way. And so we just, we just used all the little bits and pieces that they cut off from the, from all the different colors they're, they're doing. Um, and then you just kind of mix that together and we did a batch of those. So that'll be, you know, that'll be fun. You're going to be in Boston on November 15th. The new Empty Void album comes out on the 10th. And in order to get from where you are now to get to us in Boston, you're going to be on the bus a while. In mm-hmm. the middle of the night when you're not getting a perfect night's sleep and maybe the bus pulls over, what's the weirdest, craziest thing you've ever picked up in a truck stop? Because you've spent a lot of time on the road. I, I, I have. I got, well, actually, my wife got this, but it was for my birthday, but she bought me a suit of armor. And I was at a truck stop in America. She came on the bus with a full, you know, shield, chain mail, and a proper helmet. And I was like, where the hell did you get that? She's like, in, a, in the truck stop, they had a suit of armor for sale. And there it is. So I wore it for my birthday. <laughs> I have asked so many people that question, and I never in a million years thought I would get the answer, a suit of armor. Yeah, I didn't even know that was possible, but that's what happened. 
Yeah, I had no idea that was possible either. <laughs> um, before I let you go, I have to ask you this question because I was in Vegas for opening night of the MSG Sphere. And, oh, wow. And while I couldn't get in to see you two because the tickets were just way more expensive than I could pay for, just being outside and experiencing this venue and this technology, and everybody started talking about what band would you love to see inside the sphere? And Tool was at the top of everybody's list. Is it something that has even come across you guys' radar that you would even want to play? And is it something that you guys are considering and maybe even working on? Well, they have approached us. Um, they approached us a while ago, and I'm sure they've approached lots of people, you know, um, to do it. Um, but we have discussed it. Uh, I know it takes a great deal of work, you know, goes into that production. Um, there's a lot of lot of preparation that needs to be done. It wouldn't be so simple as just taking our show and making it, you know, global on that on that screen. I mean, is it completely a dome, or is it? It's almost around the whole thing, but it's not all. It's yeah, the 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 way that the amphitheater seats are, so it it's not complete three hundred and sixty screen, but it's one hundred and sixty thousand yeah. square feet of screen. The LEDs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it completely wraps all around you. There were reports of people getting nauseous and getting vertigo because oh, wow. it's so kind of all encompassing. Yeah, I mean it's right up our alley, and then I think they have a a small version of it in LA on one of the studio lots. One of the one of the film studios has it. They were talking about maybe we could go and check it out there, um, and just really find out. We're not quite clear on what what actually goes into to preparing your visuals for that for that show, and like how good does it really sound? You know, does it sound good in there? Um, I don't. It, it every seat has a speaker. I heard. I heard it sounds oh, wow. great in literally oh, every seat. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, it's we're definitely we've talked about it. Um, it's on the cards, let's say. But right now we've got quite a lot coming up. Um, so it'll be a future thing, I think. Well, and especially for somebody like you that that loves not only obviously making the music, but so much of the visual stuff you were talking about with the the inserts of the vinyl for mt void and all of that to have a completely new way to express yourself visually again technology leading the way i think it's more like making a movie though you have to like sit down with a director and you have to really plan out each song um so it's 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 a big undertaking um i don't know how you know you two prepared for it but um, yeah, we well, it's it's definitely something we we'd love to do, but we'll just have to see when we have the time. Yeah, and you guys seem to be booked up for a while, so we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, the new Empty Void album comes out on the tenth, and then I will see you on the fifteenth in Boston for sure. Cool. I hope Thank to pass you. you on your bicycle on the Charles. <laughs> I'll, I'll grab a, a cassette rewinding pencil off you if I yes. do. Yes. Oh, wait, I'll show you. They're right here. <laughs> They're even purple. I will. Oh, bring... Amazing. Amazing. You know you're going to need one someday. <laughs> Justin, Excellent. thank you so much. Happy holidays and happy new year if I don't see you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. 
There he is, the one and only Justin Chancellor from Tool and Empty Void. The new Empty Void album, Matters Not Part 1, comes out this Friday, November 10th. Tool have also got a bunch of dates scheduled in New England over the next week. Check the links in the show notes of this episode to find all the dates and the links to get tickets. While you're checking out the show notes, you'll also find all of Justin Chancellor's links, the links to find Empty Void and Tool Online, and of course, all the Mistress Carrie links too. And you'll find the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of the music from my guests and the songs and artists we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep, which is all of your rock and music news and entertainment updates in around five minutes. You can find me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page from my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, and you can always find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.